pills make me wanna shout. Kick your heels up and shout. Welcome back, listeners, to another exciting episode of Bills and Beers, the Buffalo Bills podcast. Here from the Bills backers of Chicago, Illinois, we are back on schedule, but the Bills offense is not. They just dropped one to the Oakland Raiders. It's ending as we speak. Playoff hopes now dangling by a thread. I'm Lars. Joining me tonight, the lovely Miss Cassie Hutton is with us. Why do I feel like we're in the same place we've been for the past 10 years? And the president of the Bills Backers of Chicago, Sujit, is also here. I can't believe I shaved my legs for this. Find us on Facebook and on Twitter. Just search for Bills and Beers and search for Bills and Beers on iTunes. And subscribe if you haven't already. Tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your loved ones, tell everybody you know about this podcast. Because if you're not getting any joy from this Buffalo Bills team, like I'm sure many of you are not, at the very least... We can bring you some joy on your Monday commute. With our very own misery. Nothing else to say. Let's get right into it. Final score of this game, 38-24. to 24. The Oakland Raiders scored 29 unanswered points. And I can't stress enough the unanswered part of that. We will get to that at great length, I'm sure. But before the cascade of misery, it actually was a pretty fun game to watch, and we looked like we were doing pretty good. So it wasn't all negative. In fact, there were some positive things that happened today. So, Cassie, before we read this team, it's last rights. Who was your the Bat Blue MVP of today's game? I mean, I... Uh there were some some good moments in the game today. Uh, LaShawn McCoy, I got to take the easy one. Again, he is just remarkable. And the fact that we don't give him the ball more is what pisses me off. But he had a great game today. Uh, really, really good job running, running the ball, big, big pickups. So we're, I feel like we're just wasting his talents on this team. Perhaps. Suge, coming to you now. Sort through the rubble. Find us a bright spot. The Labatt Blue MVP of today's game. My Labatt Blue MVP is going to be related to my Jenny Cremel player. Um, and it is, I don't even know his first name. His last name is Christensen. Ah. This brand new tight end that was on our team for maybe, what, four days, two days before he started and caught some critical passes. And if our quarterback didn't suck so badly, was actually wide open several times when he was diving for balls. Uh, so... The reason he is my Labatt Blue is because, you know what, here's a tight end that actually can make a play or two, as opposed to a tight end who's sitting at fucking home because he didn't family plan properly. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that, actually. I don't, whatever. I'm giving mine to Mike Gillsley because I had him in fantasy. He got me 16 points. Uh, I wish he touched the ball more, too, but, you know, in order to run more plays, you got to sustain drives. So that uh, transitions us nicely into the Jenny Cream Ale bummer of today's game. I'm going to go first because I think we're going to talk predominantly about the offense, which I think is actually going to flip the script on a lot of our listeners. Based on uh, a cursory glance at Twitter and other places on the Internet, it seems like most people are pretty pissed off by the defense. I think that couldn't possibly be further from the truth. But I'll go on the defensive side of the ball, and I'm going to give mine to the Corey brothers, both Corey White and Corey Graham. Because 
If there was a play to be had down the middle of the field, one of two numbers or both numbers, 20 and 30, were right there trailing it. And we've been seeing this all year. Our safeties are an abomination. We can't cover anybody downfield. Rush three, rush four, rush five, rush six. Doesn't really matter. There's going to be a guy running open downfield. And a quarterback like Derek Carr at home, who's been leading a 9-2 and team and be getting buzzed about MVP, is going to find them open. Our secondary can't cover for a lick. And it was a big reason we lost today, but I got bigger thoughts on that that we will get to. Yeah, and, you know, we talk a lot about it doesn't matter. We could pressure the quarterback and we'll get burned. We cannot pressure the quarterback and we'll get burned. The one thing I will say is that when we were actually able to flush Derek, when we were able to flush Derek Carr from the pocket, uh, one, he didn't make a lot of plays on, uh, on the run, and he just kind of threw the ball away more often, which is why I was clamoring, you know, four more blitzes. And then, you know, lo and behold, we'd, like, send the house – on the touchdown pass where Seymour C- got, you know, burned. Torched. Yeah, just um, torched. He got torched. And so, you know, it's, it's it's tough to say. But, you know, the one thing was that that blitz, despite going all out, did not flush him from the pocket. And and that's what we talked about. He doesn't get sacked. He doesn't throw interceptions. Um, but so it's, it our, is, it but is, our offense needed to do more but along on, the but, way. But, and, and, but, but going but back going back to our defense, yeah, thank you. you know, even before we were losing, even before we were, you know, our offense was doing zero – we were, they were still giving up these huge plays over the middle of the field. And so there is, there is I wouldn't say, when people say this is the defense's fault, I wouldn't say anything like nothing is further from the truth. I will say that defense definitely has something to do with this loss, but at the same time, they get, they get more excuses in the second half than they do in the first. But what was the expectation? I mean, did we really think that we were going to hold Derek Carr and the Oakland Raiders to less than 20 points? No, but at the same time, we I guess we had one three and out out of four. Is that is that correct? Like we got one well, three, three and out. Well, one way to stop your opponent, but I mean, yeah, no, I mean one stop between the four touchdowns. You can't hold an offense like theirs to less than twenty points when you run ten plays in four consecutive possessions. This is true. This is I mean, and then let's get into it, like right? That's, so like that's, that's this is what well, we're Cass, talking. We got to get to Cassie here too. I, and I want to hear from her, but like it, it is really aggravating to hear Bills fans go like, "Oh, we need to rush three. Why, 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 why are we leaving Gilmore on an island? He needs safety help. Okay, give him safety help. Now, what safety is going to help him? And, and we rush three. Oh, wait, why are we only rushing three? We need to rush five. Okay, we rush five. They get torched. Like, hello. well, so since we're moving into the our, offense, giving the defense are, problems, let me talk about a player that would help to sustain drives, a big body target in the middle of the field. Uh, is maybe it a someone. No. <laughs> maybe someone that would actually be able to extend a play, would be able to block block very, very well, and then go out for a short pass. And I'm talking about Charles Clay. And oh. we're going to get into this because I had a discussion with a friend of mine who works in the medical profession yesterday, and she disagreed with me. But this guy makes how many, how much mil, how many million dollars a, a year? A lot. He's making oh, a lot of money. Several millions, right? This is your Jenny Cremail. This is my Jenny Cremail player, and it's Charles Clay because – I think that we could have used him today. I think we could have used him blocking Khalil Mack, who did have two of the most game-changing plays. But was quiet until those plays. Was quiet until that time, but it doesn't matter. You don't need to make 17 plays as a defensive end. You need to make two that change the game. So he would have been helpful there. He sure as hell would have been helpful when we couldn't find anyone over the middle and we were just trying to move the chains and we had four three-and-outs in a row. It would have been nice to have a big body to throw to that was a little bit more reliable, a little bit more in sync with our quarterback than, let's say, um, 
what the hell's his name? The the Jack Nicholson's oh, O'Leary. O'Leary and and then this new guy, Christensen. Uh, so I understand, you know, it's the birth of your kid. Very, very important. But you're not a freaking baby anymore. You are a millionaire. You are making millions of dollars. Start family planning, okay? You could possibly think about having your kid in the off season. Okay, fine. You know what? You're maybe you were trying to do that, and then it didn't work out, and your you your family got pregnant at another time. I know that there is a minimally increased risk. No one knows this more than I do. That there's a minimally increased risk for an induct in, induced birth, but people do it all the damn time. Business people do it. People do it all over the U.S. and it is exceedingly safe. That's like saying there's a small risk in riding the bus. People are still riding the damn bus. We need you for 48 hours of the entire year. There are 48 hours, you know, three hours times 16 games. There are 48 hours for the entire year. That is the 48 hours that you cannot miss on your job. To me, it's it's weeks so off. When you're, you're making saying, you're that much money. They should have put his wife in the labor on like Monday or Tuesday. Yeah. Or, or, or tomorrow. Like I just I, I I don't get I don't know when when exactly her due date is, but wait till she's thirty eight weeks and if she hasn't had the baby, have it during the middle of the week. Have a planned. I mean, uh, if we have another kid, we're having a planned C section, right? And, and that's for other reasons, but th- it's not that dangerous. It, and, and not only is it not that dangerous, it's not dangerous. It's it's just simply not. Like at this point, it's just ridiculous. And so. I, I'm going off too much on. Tr- so well, I, I would, I would kind of like to get a female game. perspective on this. Actually, Cass, do you have anything to say on family planning and cutting yourself open to get a baby no, into this world? No, so. you don't have to cut yourself <laughs> open. Just induce the labor. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I agree with. I probably am not the correct female to be uh, no, asking yeah. this question. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I agree with Suji. There should be better planning around that. And but the problem is, you guys, he's been on our team all season. Really, has he done much? Yeah, that's where I'm kind of like really like, like. It's eh. not like Charles Clay has. And I, I, if I, it was shady. Like, I'm not saying I disagree thing. with you in principle, Suge, but in practice, like, what would Charles Clay really have done today? That I mean, it's yeah. it's impossible to say. But Cass, you're Jenny Creamel bummer of today's game. I, I just hate the fact that our third down options were, was freaking Goodwin. Right on that on the on the the, the tipped pass that was intercepted in, in you know in, in their end of the field when we were freaking throwing on first down out of our own end zone which was infuriating as it, as it is that throw was to Goodwin Goodwin should never be the option Goodwin should be the very very last option in the world and I would much rather have been thrown to Charles Clay than Goodwin fine so um, I know we've we've we talked about this during the game um, I'm going to take probably two or three. Uh, you know, bummers of the game. First off, um, the easy one, Rex Ryan's transition sunglasses. <laughs> I understand that the sun was shining down on that side, but those were just obnoxious and terrible. Um, so those need to go. Secondly, um, it's a mixture of play calling and execution. And it all comes down to Tyrod Taylor. And whether the plays are not being called for him that are correct, um, 100% on him, for execution, he did not execute today, especially no, especially in the third and fourth quarter. Not at all. Um, but we even said this, like you know, as he's stepping back and just like he doesn't get rid of the ball at the right time, nope. he doesn't scramble out of the pocket at the right time, he doesn't stay in the pocket at the right time, he doesn't make the easy pass when somebody's wide open. And then the other thing is, 
when he does have a little bit of time, why is it not before he throws? Why does he not know where Sammy Watkins is on the field at every single moment? And if there is a hint of a chance that he is wide open, throw the ball in that direction. Yep, missed the touchdown. Like completely, a couple touchdowns. I mean, there were a couple times where like Sammy's wide open. What was Sammy's one on one? And it's like he doesn't. He does no command of the game. And the thing is, is we are how many games already into this season? He's had a full off season to play and to, to train and to understand the offense, and he's just not cutting it. And it's Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I mean, he started out the game and went, what, like 9 for 10 on yep. completions and yep. unbelievable. It's and not then, how you start, it's how you finish. And then he just rolls out all this other crap. And I know the play calls. One thing I don't understand is on first down in the third quarter when we went three and out multiple times, why we are not just running the ball on first down. Like, I don't understand that. I, I think it sets – tie right up and it puts too much pressure on his shoulders and the other thing is is the one thing I would love to see that we just don't freaking do is on third and like long and when I say long I'm like third and seven is long for us yeah can we make a play of a completion to a wide receiver that is beyond the first down marker. How many times does Tyrod scramble for the first down? Or do we pass it off to Shady, who makes some unbelievable play for the first down? It's never to a wide receiver beyond the first down mark. No. So you want to talk about Jekyll and Hyde. Derek Carr is the anti-Tyrod Taylor. Great. Tyrod Taylor started that game on fire. We turned and said to each other in the first wow. half of the game, wow, wow, he looks great. But what did he do? He finished poorly. And what does Derek Carr do? Derek Carr has more fourth-quarter comebacks yeah. than any quarterback in the NFL. Wait, comeback? I don't even know that word. No, like, of course you we, don't. We don't because, know that. Because Tyrod Taylor is two for 14 or whatever, whatever the stat is now. He, he doesn't do that. And I started this by saying 29 unanswered points. We were not going to hold the Raiders at home with – Home field advantage on the line to less than 25 points. We just weren't. We had to keep scoring points. We had to keep scoring points, and we couldn't. We stopped. And and there should not be a listener out there that is pointing to the scoreboard and saying, our defense shouldn't give up 38 points because our defense played the entire second half. So they wouldn't have given up 38 points if our offense was actually on the field for maybe six minutes before we you know, went I mean, into I mean, garbage time. Suge, how else can we say it? In the first six, in the first six drives, six drives of the second half, the Bills ran on five of those drives. The Bills ran twelve plays, and each of those three and outs, each of those three and outs, the drive, the time of possession was less than two minutes, less than a minute and a half. Yeah, so. You can't say, oh, the defense gave up 38 points. No, the defense was playing without a counterpart. The defense a, was playing against the high-powered offense and, the, and, and couldn't – just They were never off the be- field for more than a minute and a half. Come on. But can we, can we revert this back to what we talked about last week on the podcast was Tyrod Taylor, is he sufficient? Can he, can, he just, can he just do just enough? And I think we're now getting our answer. No, against a very good team but a bad defense, he still is not sufficient. But he can't just Sufficient just for what? Because here's the problem. We're, we're now we're careening towards 17 years of no playoffs. And when people say the offense is good, yeah, the offense is good compared to J.P. Lossman and Trent Edwards' abysmal offenses. The offense is not good. So is Tyrod Taylor good enough for what? 
to, to, to make win, the playoffs. To, to, to make the playoffs. 10 wins and make the playoffs? Maybe he is, but guess what? We just went against a quarterback like we do twice a year in Tom Brady who is going to threaten to win a Super Bowl. Yeah. but, but That's but, why NFL teams exist, to win a Super Bowl. And Tyrod Taylor is insufficient for doing so. I'm sorry. No, he's... He is. Run for 200 yards a game. It doesn't matter when you're up against a quarterback who can put points on the board, and Tyrod Taylor cannot. Nine and seven, and just making the playoffs on a freaking wild card to say, "Oh, we made the playoffs," is not good. No, we but that's all. That's what Tyrod Taylor is sufficient for. Yeah, and specifically that's, to your criteria. That yeah, but that's what I'm saying. He's no longer sufficient because that is not the correct answer. Nine, no, and nine that and, shouldn't be the goal. And the the biggest problem with Tyrod is that you know we we sit there and it's like yes. When you run 200 yards, you should be winning the game. But that is assuming that your offense does not disappear for right. a quarter and a half. Please, please the make 200 this point. Yards, please okay, make 200 this. yards, yes, that is great. But that's assuming that beyond those 200 yards, the three and outs you had, they weren't four three and outs in a row where you just left your defense stranded. Can, can you please it's not go into just, detail about the difference? There's not. It's not just that, oh, I had one three and out, and then the next drive I drove all the way down the field, but then we stalled at the 40-yard line and we punted, and then the next drive we scored a field goal, and then the next drive we went three and out, and the next drive we scored a touchdown. No. It's not the same thing because your defense gets a breather at that time. So you can run the 200 yards, but what does it matter when – 54 of those yards was on one single play. And then the next play was another 10 yards. So 60 of those 200 yards took about a total of, what, 30 seconds of actual game time? And so and then we're talking about these these plays. That, so the and, problem and the Bills, is, okay. The Bills did get almost half of those rushing you can yards do, on two runs. You can do, yeah, I mean, you can do a lot of damage if you do 200 yards, you right? You should. But you have to do something else outside of those 200 yards. You cannot run to... So the problem is that our team is built that as a ground and pound, right? Ground and pounds, wait, the on, answer on, to the on, ground... And I, I want to get back to this point, Suge, because we talked about it and it must be made. No, 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 this is related. This is related. What I'm saying is that the ground and pound is predicated on defenses being able to completely stop the other team, right? That you, your defenses shut down the other team, you limit the time that they are and on the field. And now you hold the ball. Right, and then you hold the ball, you have to hold the ball. Right. You cannot be a ground. It doesn't matter if you get 200 yards. If you do not hold the ball you're for four pounding. straight series, you're not grounding and you are not pounding. Correct. That's actually why it's called ground and pound. It's not meant to be big, long runs. It's meant to be three, four-yard runs over and over and over again, down their throat until that defense gets exhausted. You think the defense was exhausted because they gave up one 54-yard play? No. No. So it's not about ground and pound. If you get 200 yards doing true ground and pound, yes, you're going to win the but game. Again, but that implied that you were actually possessing the ball. As, as we pull back and look at it, and you say like, oh, well, Denver's defense, their offense goes three and out four times a game, but they seem to be okay. There is a fundamental difference between going four and out over four quarters and going four and out four possessions in a row. Three and out. What? It doesn't matter. I, I can't even talk. The point is... That's what this offense does, and they've been doing it since last year. It's not just that they give up a lot of three and outs. It's that they string them together. And as we said, that's like the offense going away for an entire quarter. And a half. Yeah, a quarter and a half. No offense. So, because it was all consecutive. It's not like we spread these out. It's, it's all in a row. They string these together, and it's killing this team, and it has been. And I'm sorry, but that comes down to your quarterback. And I'm, I'm with you, Cass. You're like, why aren't we running? Why aren't we running? 
Sure, but like our quarterback has to be able to make a five yard out to, I, I, to a guy like Sammy Watkins. Like this is the NFL. I totally agree, but honestly, like if we are saying we are a ground and pound team and we have our first three and out, okay, we go three and out. We're like, shit, we can't have another three and out. We're a ground and pound team. Run the ball three times. Why don't you try that? If you are a like, try something different rather than being like, oh, I'm gonna put you know Tyrod in shotgun and we're gonna you know drop back to pass twice. Just be like, all right, we're a ground and pound team. We had a three and out. We don't need to do that again. All right, let's just run the ball three times. And if it doesn't work, then at least you can say, hey, we tried the ground and pound. We tried what we are good at. But they don't do that. And, I, and again, I don't disagree with you in principle, Cass. But in practice, you got to at least show that your quarterback is capable of doing things that the other 31 quarterbacks do. And I'm sorry, rushing for 200 yards is great. But we have now been two years in a row. 32nd, 31st in, in pass completions, pass attempts, and passing yards. And and what happened today? So great. We run the ball for 200 yards and score 24 points. Derek Carr throws the ball all over the field. They score 38 points and win the game. Derek Carr comes back and gets fourth quarter gets fourth quarter comebacks. Derek Carr is leading a team that's 10 and 2, which this team hasn't this team hasn't sniffed in over 20 years. Yeah, so we have our answer. Tyrod Taylor is not in a Buffalo Bills uniform next year. Uh, well, yeah, Jesus. Yeah, and it just makes that's you wonder that's then terrifying. what? Like, yeah, because the, the question is not if not him. And I, I don't disagree with you, but now I'm pulling back and wondering, like, well, then maybe you don't ground and pound. Maybe this comes back to Rex Ryan, and maybe it comes back to a philosophy. But this defense should be this team should be good enough. And honestly, they only need adequate play from the quarterback to be able to execute it because they have the talent on the offensive line and at the running back position to effectively ground and pound teams and win games that way. It can be done. Yes, we saw it. That's what Ben Roethlisberger's rookie season was. That's what the Seahawks do. That's what the, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you just need people that, when given the opportunity, actually complete the pass. When Sammy Watkins is wide open on, you know, that towards, what was it? I don't know. It was like towards the end of the game. Um, and we were, we were struggling, and Sammy Watkins is wide open, going to the end zone. Wide open. And Tyrod just completely misses him. You can't, you can't be that person. If you are going to be the ground-and-pound quarterback, then when given that opportunity, you have to make it. And that's what Sammy— You only ask to throw the ball less than 30 times a game. You have to make it. And Sammy Watkins is such a good player on the outside that when you, if, you're, if you're a ground-and-pound offense— Sammy Watkins is that haymaker to the chin. He's the player who, like, all of a sudden, okay, we got 11 in the box, bam, touchdown. Nothing you can do about it. But you got to have a quarterback to execute. So I'm, so I'm, I'm really confused, you guys, because I said we, we all agree Tyrod Taylor cannot execute. So why are we keeping him on the team? Because I don't know who else is out there. Because that's, that's for, for whatever reason, Cass, finding a competent quarterback for the NFL is, seems – Seems like a fool's errand, and we haven't been able to do it for 17 years. Yeah, yeah, and I then, but we need to cut. You need to cut your losses at some point. I, I don't you, disagree. You, you gotta, you gotta. I, I honestly, if Tyrod cannot do it this year, I don't see him getting any better. And you might call me crazy. Crazy. But Cardell Jones, goddammit, in his first ever professional outing, preseason game number one. Granted against third and fourth string scrubs and a bunch of guys who aren't in the league anymore, led the team on a fourth quarter comeback to win the game. And that's what he did in college. And I know Jam and Jeff Day will agree with me on this. There are quarterbacks out there that just do that. Yeah. We just played against yeah. one. 
There are quarterbacks out there that don't do it, and we've got one starting for us right now and has been for the last 30 games. I think that Cardell Jones, beyond having a freaking rocket of an arm, is going to be a bit of a Kyle Orton and a bit of a Ryan Fitzpatrick well, in the saying, beginning. In the would, beginning, would you give up two or three picks a game for a guy that like right, like, right, right? No, no. I'm, I, this is, this is what I'm saying. So I don't know that that's not the right answer. Uh, I just think that what we what we should expect is that there are going to be some throws that are just like way the hell off, oh, right? Agree. Yeah. And there are going to be some throws that are like lightning bolts. You're like, wow, where did that come from? Look how good he is. But then there's going to be a little bit of fire and attitude to him. That's Absolutely. What, that's what everybody said about him in the preseason was that. He you was know, screaming at Greg Roman. <laughs> I want to run the plays that I want to run. And he brought the team back, hit a, hit a guy on a slant pass, which Tyrod Taylor can't do, to win the game. He was his first professional outing. He was screaming at Greg Roman. I want to run the plays that I want to run. And that's a quarterback that I want on my team. Not Tyrod, like, sitting All over right. there being like, oh, I suck on the bench by I mean, himself. Hit yeah. us up. Use the hashtag BNBSM if you disagree. Because I think a lot of people out there are of the fire Rex mentality, this defense sucks mentality. I'm sorry, but we do not have an offense worthy of keeping pace of the offenses that are, are going to challenge for a Super Bowl. This is not a ground-and-pound offense. Wake up, everybody. This is not a ground-and-pound offense. A ground-and-pound offense never goes three and out or rarely goes three and out. They ground and they pound, and they may not make a touchdown every time they have the ball, but they take five minutes off the clock. And pin the defense or pin the offense. That's right. And that's the other thing, too, we haven't talked about. Colton Schmidt was awful oh, today. Terrible. I think he, he – he sh- I can't believe none of us mentioned him. Well, I mean uh, – And I don't care if you don't like my pick of Dan Marino, okay? <laughs> I don't care. I like him. Yes, he is a good quarterback. That's all. All right, let's get out of here. Let's 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 get a, one of our far-flung correspondences on the line. See what they have to say. Whoa. Well, that sound means it's time to hear from our far-flung correspondent in Austin Tejas. It's Jammin' Jeff Day here with his tacos calientes. It's tacos caliente. Arriba. I want some taquitos. And Tacos Calientes, as always, is brought to you by Pocky Chip, purveyors of the hottest chip on the planet. If you haven't already, take the hashtag one chip challenge. So hot. And as we all know, Tacos Calientes is Tex-Mex for hot takes. So, Jeff, plenty of hot takes, or as we like to call them, Tacos Calientes, to go around for this ball game. What you got? Hey, guys. Uh, I'm in a dark place right now, as I'm sure we all are. That game was particularly demoralizing. Um, hard to believe that we were up 24-9 at one point in that game. I certainly it's hard to remember that. Um, yeah, no shit. <laughs> uh, in terms of tacos calientes, my tacos calientes is that you know there is no new tacos calientes. <laughs> that's my. That, that's it. I mean, it's the same. It's the same story that we think we've been preaching um, for weeks and throughout the whole season. I think today it was on full display, which is secondary play and quarterback play right and you know when we i was asking myself the question just a few minutes ago did tyrod taylor throw one good pass wow the entire you know like and not and and by that i mean like a pass you know that wasn't just like an eight yard curl route uh, you know to somebody outside the lines and i couldn't actually recall a single pass that was like a, a, you know, like a, a difficult pass completed. You know, maybe there was one. Certainly not one in the second half. 
Certainly not one in the second half. And but, even you know, the ones in the first half, even the ones in the first half, the receiver was standing still. He'd sling it out there, but the receiver was standing still. He wasn't hitting anybody in stride. No. You know, it's just, you know, I mean, it's just, it, we've talked about it repeatedly, and it's just we're sort of beating the same horse here. You know, if, if, we, if, we're, if we get into a position in a game in which we rely on Ty- Tyrod to have to win us the game, you know, on his own, we're going to be in trouble. So, but Jeff, and, here's what we've been talking about, though. Yeah. In the NFL in 2016, when you're facing a quarterback like Derek Carr, isn't the game just like invariably going to fall in our quarterback's lap? Yes. Like yes, those- I mean, I think that's right. I mean, the, the Raiders have an explosive offense, which we saw on display here at times, you know, and the defense played very well in the first half. And then, you know, the secondary was exposed in the second half. Um, but I think I think you're right, where which is that, you know, when you're playing a team like Carr and the Raiders, you know, you need we need Tyrod to to some degree match. Um, yeah. You know, the level of play in order to have a chance just in order. I mean, the, I actually thought those I almost, you know, I, was, I watched the last minute and a half of the game on mute because I just couldn't take it anymore. But um, I well, thought we the, didn't even watch the last minute and a half. So here's the play that I thought sort of there was a play. It was the second last play of the entire game. We're down two touchdowns. There's 20 seconds on the clock. Right. We have no chance of winning, but you're still playing because it's football. Tyrod goes back, of course, and then won't throw the ball, scrambles and then throws the ball out of bounds. Jesus. And I'm just sort of sitting there. I'm yelling at the TV, even though I know we're down. You know, there's no chance of winning the game. But it just was it was in a nutshell of even when we're down two touchdowns and there's 20 seconds left, there's still the reluctance to just throw the ball and let a receiver make he's a play. Still, he's still risk averse when the risk is virtually zero. Yeah. This is the quarterback you know, that he's always going to be, right? That's the thing. He will that, never he's it. never going to be a gunslinger, right? And so we are just going to have know. to accept the fact that he is going to be a quarterback that doesn't turn the ball over but doesn't really do all that much to help you. Every once in a while he'll be able to he'll be able to complement our running backs because he will be able to run and he'll be able to throw some dump passes. And then yeah, he does have a cannon for an arm, so if you know, he gets amazing chemistry and that receiver is with him for an entire season, then by the end of the season, yes, he probably will have some chemistry with that receiver. You know, if that se- receiver is elite like Sammy Watkins cuz yeah. let's remember that besides Robert Woods, who he has some chemistry or maybe starting to show some chemistry with, he's never gotten the chemistry with lost. anybody. You know, he's right. never gotten chemistry with Charles Clay. He's never gotten chemistry with Marquise Goodwin. Who's Marquise Goodwin? It's it's it, it's obvious what you're doing. It's either a go route or a comeback <laughs> route. So you have to be able to do that. Like you should. It's not like Marquise Goodwin is running 18 different routes. That but, but that can we you have imagine Marquise Goodwin with Drew Brees throwing him the ball? What about right. Chris Hogan? Chris Hogan, Tom right? Yeah. But, but here, but, uh, Jeff, I have one thing to say because you're saying that's like the last, that last play, you know, was the one. I I don't think it's necessarily Tyrod Taylor doing it. I think he has bad decision making because when we, there was like six minutes left to go in the game, we're all like, come on, hurry up, hurry up. And he's like throwing like a two yard pass to a tight end that's laying out for it. And, th- and at that moment, I'm like, just throw the ball out of bounds. An it, incomplete pass is much better than a two-yard gain to a, to a tight end who's laying out to make an unbelievable catch. And we haven't even talked. Like, this was, they were snapping the ball with 15 seconds on the play clock. This yeah. entire team lacks football situational awareness. Okay, well, the end how of the many half, times? We haven't even how, talked about the yeah, end of the first How half. many times have we let a delay of game take us? 
you know? Or how many times have we, you know, not called a timeout when we needed to call the timeout and then called a timeout when it was completely useless? And how many times have we been trying to close out a half or close out a game and we're snapping the ball with 10 to 15 seconds left when we should be snapping the ball with 25 <laughs> seconds left? Like, it just, the, the awareness on this team, maybe they're trying to, like, figure out what their matchups are or whatever, it doesn't matter. You run a run and a ground and pound offense, you should be able to run up to that line and snap the ball. Just like, remember last year or two years ago, I think it was when Kyle Orton was still here, when we were out of position, it was Rex's first year, when we were out of position. No, it wasn't. And it, you know, it was, because that's why we were talking about our lack of communication on offense. And they snapped the ball. It, we were, I can't remember exactly where we were well, playing. Or- but Orton never played for Rex, though. That's what oh, yeah, no, no, that's what, it, it wasn't, it wasn't with Orton. It was, it was, okay. it was, it was, but it was with Rex. And we were talking about the fact that there was a team that snapped the ball on us before we were in position, and then and, and they had a touchdown. You know, because we weren't in position, and that's when everyone was complaining about communication. That's what we should be able to do. We should have that situation where, hey, we have four plays we're good at. Let's be honest. We're not good at that many <laughs> plays. We have four plays. So run up to that goddamn line, and before they can get in position, run that damn play. Uh, you know, and it's – I mean, and here we are. Here we are, you know, and – we gave we we gave up we still gave up you know another game where we gave up 30 plus points and you, you know, know i thought in but, the but second Jeff, half in particular, Jeff, yeah go you, ahead you can't spell 29 unanswered points without the word unanswered correct and and and, uh, and of those unanswered what was it three consecutive three and outs and four, four four well, no three consecutive four. three and outs followed by a one and out that was a interception oh, yeah, from inside worse, the 10 yard right. line a one and out, correct. So four, and, you're right. So four consecutive, and that and that safety. Anyone I feel like who knows anything about football knows yes that while Jordan Mills was going against Khalil Mack one on one in the against our own one yard line, Tyrod Taylor held the ball for four seconds in the end zone. And and why were we throwing in the end zone when we have Lashawn McCoy and Gillis Lee and uh, I don't even I mean even freaking Reggie Bush come on but this is where I come yeah. back to at some point our quarterback has to act like a quarterback right and yeah. then the right. other thing is that getting to Cassie getting to both of your all's point so Cassie's point when Lashawn actually did go out for a pass the linebacker that was actually supposed to be covering him completely whiffed on couldn't him, of course which not. means that if Lashawn had the ball he would have run for about thirty yards there but uh, and then but getting to your point Lars yes. You can't hold the damn ball. It needs to be a quick. I mean, maybe it's a bad play. Like, what happened? Remember that? Remember, wasn't there a game of, um, at the beginning of the season where your tacos caliente was timing, timing pattern, patterns? Right? Timing what pattern, the yeah. hell happened to that? <laughs> Nothing. That was this week two, and we haven't come anywhere since then. We've not evolved into it. We, we tried a timing pattern today with, uh, with Sammy, and it looked terrible. Sammy's going one way, Tyrod throws the ball the <laughs> other way. It was like the biggest joke ever. <laughs> You know what play I don't understand? You know, like every game that we watch, right, there's like several plays a game where our one of our linebackers ends up like over the middle tackling their like premier wide receiver. Right. right. So like today, several times, like, um, you know, Preston Brown or, or, yeah, or, or Brown, uh, the other Brown uh, tackled Crabtree. I don't know if um, like do we not have that play? Do we not have that play where like Watkins or I don't even care who it is. is like just going across the middle. I mean. And I mean, I know this is the this goes back, right? It's like, do we not have the play? Is Tyrod not seeing it? But it's like, that's a rudimentary. No, it's play. it's it's. I'm it's, sorry, it's it has Tyrod. to be Tyrod not seeing it because yeah. we do have yeah. that play. Because you know what, Justin Hunter going up against a linebacker is a mismatch. 
Um, Walt Powell, if he was there, going up against a linebacker is a mismatch. These guys are not that bad of receivers. I actually think that we have an extraordinary receiving core, and yeah. that's why our backups make incredible plays. What was that one that was thrown behind him, number 17? That was Justin Hunter. Hunter. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Hunter. and he, he caught that crazy like circus catch so these guys are not that bad they are good receivers maybe they're not perfect at running the routes but you know what you're not perfect at throwing your goddamn throws no so i'm with you and, and i want to make i want to make i want to just like close this off with one final point is we're talking about the offense snapping the ball with 15 seconds to go on the play clock and having no sense of urgency and a lot of people be like well that's coaching that's coaching that's coaching here's the deal i have never played a down of organized football but I have played a shitload of organized sports. And I can tell you that when you're in the moment and when the ball is literally in your hands, it's on you. And when you're the quarterback and it's on you to get the guys to the line, ignore the play call. Make the call. You got to know. You got to take charge out there. If you're waiting if you're waiting for coaching to bail you out and coaching can't get the call in before 15 seconds, God damn it, you got to take control and get the play in yourself. And let's not forget that it was not. And Jeff, are you eating cookies over there? What the hell is going on over there, Jeff? <laughs> sorry, right. Is there background the, noise? Put the sorry, damn sorry. packet chips away. Okay, taking a shower. Okay. Taking right, a quick sorry, shower. Sorry, just a quick shower. He's like, I'm just washing. Okay, I feel dirty and I'm washing. Um, no, listen. Up until a couple of years ago, the coach couldn't call a timeout from the sidelines. It was on the players to do it, right? At, I mean, at least I think that was a rule. But the point is, is that when did? fucking Marv Levy ever have to call a timeout for Jim Kelly. And you know what makes me even matter is that when we do get a delay of game penalty, these fucking guys on offense are looking around like what happened. Yeah. They still yeah. don't know. But you said they to me. They still don't know and, and that's, what that, the that fuck just End of the first half debacle, which I don't even want to get into at this point because it's now at this point it's immaterial. But you're like, doesn't he know? And I said, Suge, there's a giant clock facing the quarterback they put it in every stadium so he can clearly see the play clock it's not on the coaches it's on the quarterback to say holy shit but here's the thing tyrod taylor's johnny on the spot and reading that play clock when it's ticking down in the first possession of a second half all the time but when we got three timeouts to end the first half apparently he doesn't look at it i do think though part of this is also the the not not having Eric Wood because I, I I do think I recall thinking that the center Maybe. is the person on the offense that's supposed to be in I charge of care. those types. I don't, of, I don't, but I you're want, the quarterback. I want a quarterback that knows everything that's going on. Absolutely. Listen, yeah. we're not asking him to do the world. He should be able to look at the damn play clock that's in front of his face. Jeff, what you drinking down there in Austin today? Cardell Jones, <laughs> twenty seventeen. <laughs> there was um there was only Coca Cola being drank what, during today. I, I, I am. I am these. I. I can't. I can't even do it. If I start drinking during these games right now, it's going to be bad. It's going to yeah. be ugly. So, I just. I have this combination of frustration, of sadness, of of. I watched Concussion last night. The movie Concussion. Oh, so I've had, you know, I've had 24 consecutive hours of asking myself, why do I watch this sport? <laughs> um, so I'm in, a, I'm in a strange place right now. Jeff, you know what I, I just succumbed to a couple of weeks ago was that doing the things that I've done professionally and kind of seeing the things that I've seen and kind of understanding the world the way I've come to understand it, the one thing that I, I just can't let myself think critically about is NFL football and specifically the Buffalo Bills. I need one thing in this world that I just enjoy at face value and I don't ask any questions about. 
I don't I don't try to think beneath the surface or try to figure out what's really going on. I just kind of let it wash over me, which is why I would never watch Concussion. The the problem <laughs> is that you just said the words. You said I just need to be able to enjoy. Yeah, the bills are yeah. awfully hard. I'm actually thinking that we should actually start just a new expression that is at the at the end of every loss. It's just Buffalo Bills. I just can't. Yeah. I just can't. It should just be hashtag <laughs> Buffalo be? Bills. Yeah. I just can't. That's gonna be that's gonna instead of in the hunt next year for Brandon and team. It's just, uh, it's I, be just, just can't. I just yeah. can't. Instead of I hashtag BNBSM, yeah. it should have been hashtag I just can't. All right, Jammer. Well, it's great talking to you. We'll see you soon, and we'll talk to you next week. Hopefully, next week you have some peers to report in on. But until then, go Bills. Go Bills, guys. Take care. Well, we're coming up on the end of the episode, which means it's the wild card portion of today's episode. It's the wild card. And this is the wild card portion of today's episode. And while this is Bills and Beers, we talk about the Buffalo Bills, but we do so drinking beer. And today we've been sampling quite a few things. We had some Labatt during the game. I was drinking the Three Floyds Necron 99, which the menu here at Lincoln Station, which for all of the the Lincoln Station quabbles that we have, the rotating beer menu is not one of them. It's always great. The beer menu here describes simply as an interplanetary IPA. And I got it because, one, I like IPAs. And also, two, there's one place that I'd, that I'd rather not be than all of the places in the universe, and that's on planet Earth with watching this Buffalo Bills team play. So I got something that was interplanetary, and it was delicious. And it's somehow appropriate with the all the characters that are there at the Raiders game. There's definitely a couple aliens that I think we saw along the way. Legal and otherwise. No, it was very, very good. Jesus. Um, I'm glad I got it. Suge, you started off with that, but you you downshifted and in, and in doing so, upshifted in a big, big way. Yeah, so I went, I came home, baby. I went out to Buffalo. I went out to the Raiders land, and I, I, I thought I could find something out there, and it just hurt me. I had a wonderful day here in Chicago. I put up my Christmas tree. I didn't drink anything yesterday, so I woke up nice and early, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed. I built a fire in our wood-burning fireplace. I got a lot. I did two loads of laundry before like 10 o'clock. It was crazy. So I came back to Chicago where it's warm, where we just had our first snow, and it's kind of beautiful outside. Uh, And I came back to Chicago to Pipeworks Brewery, and I had their blueberry cichlid. Is it very, is it it like really blueberry? C-I-C-H-L-I-D. Yeah, you know, okay, so the description is that it's wildflower honey and lots of citra and Hallertau Blanc hops. Uh, try this beer at league night. It pairs well with fun. Well, I figured it would pair well with fun, so it would pair well with goddamn misery, <laughs> too. Uh, so it's got a great blueberry kind of, like, hint to it, um, but it's not overpowering. It's certainly not sweet, and the blueberry just ma- matches perfectly with the citra hops, which we all know that I'm so a it huge, is, it is very, huge fan. Berry flavor. Uh, yeah, it's got a little, it's just got a the hint of blueberry. It's it's, I would give it to you, but it's a, one of those tulips. It's that yeah, no, there's two, not ten enough and a half spare. ounce. I can't, I can't share. So, um, yeah, definitely recommend. I'm definitely going to go out uh, to um, Bitter Pops uh, right yeah. there on uh, Lincoln and Roscoe. And they always have a great selection of Pipeworks. I'm going to pick up a bomber of the Pipeworks Blueberry Sitchlid. I have no idea how this, that's how you say it, but and and big ups to a couple of our uh, social media listeners. Uh, two people have actually won social media listener of the week have have tweeted us this week 
with um, some selections, some local selections to Buffalo that I'd love to get on here. Uh, El Jota J, who I believe we sent a t-shirt to, uh, suggested we try the Frosty IPA from Hamburg Brewing. And then uh, the Philster, Phil Brady, tweeted us and said that we ought to look into uh, 12 Gates, which is a brewery in Williamsville, New York. Uh, nothing we can get out here or nothing we've seen out here, but love it. I, I love that uh, the, the beer talk is becoming a big part of the show, and that I think a lot of our listeners really appreciate it. So if there's something out there you like and, uh, and want to make it known, let us know. Use that hashtag BNBSM. And we do have a social media listener of the week, but Cass first. What are you drinking tonight, girl? So um, I took a recommendation from Suj because usually he knows his stuff, and uh, you know my palate is probably not as sophisticated as his. So I tried the Pollyanna, but the Eleanor and Vanilla Beans is what it's called. Kind of a lame name. You were Pollyanna through most of our winning streak. I, I was, and I, I was hoping this would be something delicious. And I do like a porter. Um, no. I was not a fan. It was just a little, little robust for me. Um, but if you like a stronger porter, um, something that's got a little bit more flavor and kick to it, that would be a good one to try. And then I went back to the Shafley, 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 Shafley. Why can you guys not? We never pronounce it right. Schlafly. It's been the beer of the month like four times Schlafly. at the station. Shafley, Shafley, Shafley. Uh, the Noble Lager, although it is out of St. Louis, Missouri, so I, yeah, kind of a shit place. So well, that's what I love about this segment is that uh, we don't advocate for beers that we don't like. So it's not that we're a homer for literally everything that touches our palate. If we don't like it, we will let you know. That being said, you did like the Schlafly. Oh, love, love. It's so good. It's so crisp and clean. And okay, so and since we're talking about beers, we also have to give a shout-out to the person that was bringing our beers today. Yes. Uh, we'd like to give a shout-out to Kelly here at Lincoln Station. You Kelly's the best. You were a bright ray of sunshine in our otherwise drab waitressing experience here at Lincoln All Station. Right. Uh, but Kelly... Is a huge Bills fan. Normally, she's not actually waiting tables. Is during she a listener? The she Bills. should be after this she's, week. We hope that she is. Uh, she's usually not waiting tables during the Bills game. She's usually sitting down and watching the Bills games and throwing them back. Uh, so it was uh, both sad and wonderful to have uh, Kelly as our waitress today. And someone tried to play Kelly today. That someone didn't work. tried to act crazy, puke get all drunk, over the, all puke the all over the hallway, then end up in the back. Room in the in the bathroom where Lars heard him saying, "That wasn't good. No, that wasn't good. He was struggling. That wasn't good." And then this mofro, after he got you know tossed because you can't have alcohol yeah, you gotta after go. you threw up all over you the bar, go. decided that he was going to leave Kelly a five dollar tip on, on an eighty five dollar ninety seven dollar bill. Boy, you did, it was the wrong that was, day. That was a bad Not choice. today. Not here. And not with our Kelly. You mess with a Bills fan, baby. You gonna get the breath. Yeah, and Kelly chased him down <laughs> to the sidewalk. <laughs> she got his ass outside. <laughs> told him, told him what's for. Let's just put it this way: the dude gave him twenty bucks, gave her twenty bucks. Apologized. His friend gave him twenty, gave her twenty bucks, and the dude actually admitted that he is a worthless human being. Okay, yep. <laughs> so, so I'm just gonna say, don't cross a Bills fan. That's why no. nobody messes with Cassie. Okay, that's right. Definitely. All right. So Kelly, you the bomb. Let's talk a little bit about that. Was a good. That was actually probably the high point of the game. Yeah. Well, um, I, I want to get into so our. So let's social talk about. Media, I want to oh. talk about our social media listeners. Okay, that's first. another high point. So we actually uh, this week's kind of strayed a little bit from the norm, but I know he listened because he referenced some some 
complete bullshit that Suge was spouting last week. About I Dan, don't care. About Dan Marino. Dan Marino uh, is my jam. So this, we questioned Suge, too. Don't worry. This guy didn't technically use the hashtag. You ain't putting me in no camp. BNBSM, but he did reach out to his. And, and I haven't shared this with you guys just yet, so I'm going to hand it over just now and let you guys scroll through. Uh, this week's Listener of the Week is Kevin Lindemer. I don't know if I'm saying that right or not, but uh, Kevin gets a shout-out because his wedding pictures were taken at... New Era Field, they had the entire wedding party out there at the podium with the, uh, what do they call that, stand and repeat? Cast, what's the technical term for that? Uh, step and repeat. Step, step and repeat. repeat. Uh, behind them, totally epic. Kevin, if you're listening, send us your address. Uh, just use that same message thread uh, to get it offline, and we'll send you a Bill's Backers of Chicago t-shirt. And at the end of the season, I'm going to uh, do a, a call-out to all of the people who have received t-shirts. Our, our boy in Wales, it's on his way. Uh, he's going to have a t-shirt soon. I want to get photos of everybody here, there, and everywhere who's wearing the Bills Backers of Chicago t-shirt so we know where we're repping. And uh, to our Chicago listeners, we want some ideas here. Give us a shout-out. Use the hashtag BNBSM. And let us know what you want on next year's t-shirt. Uh, let us know what's special about Chicago, why Chicago is the greatest Bills town this side of Orchard Park. We do pretty well. And let us know. Let us know what you want because... You know, we are Bills and Beers, and we love to talk to everyone across the country, but we are also the Bills backers of Chicago, so I uh, want to represent our people here. This is the wild card portion of today's episode, and today was a tremendous letdown. The Bills are, for all intents and purposes, out of the playoffs. It's 13 weeks into the season. We're going to go and play the Pittsburgh Steelers next week at home, which means if we get the victory, we, are, we will still technically be alive, but hanging by a thread. And if we do get the victory... We could finish 10-6 and six and still miss, uh, and that would be very respectable. But today's loss... We fell in the depths of the black hole. Yeah, today's, today's loss, um, pretty much big disappointment. So we're going to kick it back to ourselves. A couple of the wild cards we've done this year have been very personal in nature, and since we did just lose in the black hole, we're going to go into the depths of our own dark, dark souls on this dark, dark Bill's Lost evening and tell you a little bit about some of the biggest disappointments in our lives because this was a terrible way to end the season. So it was very disappointing for us, and I'll go first. As far as disappointments go, I've been out of college now for 10 years. One of the first things I noticed when I got out of school was how dumb everybody was and how the majority of the population is just flat stupid, doesn't know what they're doing, has no idea how to do their job, and they don't know up from down, left from right. Is there some arrogance in there? <laughs> so, oh, oh, excuse me, Cassie. If it some? Was, Cassie, if it wasn't for societal stupidity, you'd be out of a job just like me, and you know this is true. Very true. I, I got you. People who can't cross their own T's, people who can't dot their own J's, just in general, nobody knows what they're doing. Everybody just seems to be kind of floating through life, making terrible decisions and doing really stupid things. And the people who do seem to find their way to the top, not always because of hard work, not always because of intelligence, and certainly not always because they do the right thing for the right reasons. That has been the biggest disappointment of my adulthood. Now, you can call it arrogance if you want. Fine. Yes. In saying so, I am saying that I'm better than most people, and I'm, I will proudly shout that from the mountaintops. But, Cassie, you cannot for a second deny that you haven't had a similar experience in your line of work. No. I, I respect. Yeah, I, you just I, wouldn't admit to it. No. I, I, I appreciate other people's opinions and the <laughs> paths that they choose to go down. 
um, and what they bring to the table. And I find a value in, in every person that I encounter. Cassie, there's two ways of doing things, the right way and the wrong way. Well, so here's the thing that uh, I'm going to go to the next level. I went through that period, Lars. Fatherhood. Fatherhood has been Suja's biggest disappointment. <laughs> no, no, yeah, no, no. Uh, and I think that you come to a point where you realize that it's not about being disappointed with those people. It's about figuring out what happened. <laughs> oh, that's what happened? Why did they end up there? How come they don't get it? And then is there something you're not doing right that makes them not get it? That's what it is. So, but that's where do, you that's have, do you have a disappointment, Because I'm a very disappointed man right now. Wait, but, but that's where I struggle with this. Because I personally don't like to be micromanaged. Like, I, I have a very adverse <coughs> reaction to being micromanaged. But I find if I don't micromanage others, like, it just doesn't get done. I think at the end of the day, though, Lars, you have to realize that someone looks at you and thinks, why is that guy such an idiot? Because there's people that are smarter than you, too. And that's, the, you know, listen. Dude, I've, have you, ever, have you ever had that thought about me? Huh? No, I'm, I don't have I'm that thought about you. I'm racking my brains right now trying to figure out who in my life thinks that about me. That's <laughs> right, but that's just because you're not around the right people. So Maybe, maybe I do just so step up my, my ultimately, game. Ultimately, there's always, listen, you could be the hottest shit going, okay? I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen the people in the highest but positions in the world. But I'm not, and that's world. the problem. I know that I'm not, and I fully acknowledge I that I'm know, not. And I'm I know. Why so am I so much better than everybody? So I'm not that great. <laughs> Jesus, can we please move on? Please. Cassie, what was your biggest disappointment of life? Right now, this is this is definitely approaching my biggest disappointment. So um, I had two that I was in between, but I'm going to throw back to a time in my life that um, you guys may not know about. But um, when I was 18, I entered uh, what you would properly coin as a beauty pageant. Yes. I am not kidding. Wow. Miss Coast Guard City, USA. Uh Year 2000. Coast Guard. Yeah. Uh, my hometown, it was always something that I wanted to do. And um, I did it. And I, I, I did the best that I can. But I think my biggest disappointment was I went into the interview section. And I just, for some reason, like, beknownst to me, I shit the bed. Wow. I just, like, I don't know what happened. And <laughs> for me, I'm like, God, that was such a disappointment. But the thing is, is coming out of there, I, I also think that everything happens for a reason, and I didn't win, I didn't place, yeah, it was fine, I had a good time, it was fun. Um, but part of that happening was I then decided to walk on and play soccer at DePaul yeah, because and, of that. And let me, let me just, Cass, I've known you for 10 years, beauty pageants, probably not for you. No, not no. Because you. Not because you don't like fit the... Like the beauty por portion. Are you of it? kidding me? The entire rock pile report is like, <laughs> like searching for Coast Guard pageant. Yeah. Two thousand. <laughs> Two thousand. Oh, let's hope they were on the internet then. No, let's say like you could absolutely hack it in the looks department, but in the everything else department, oh, yeah. like you were just not a beauty pageant chick. No, 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 no. I mean, I like guys. I honestly got up on stage and walked around in a bathing suit for people to judge me. Oh, now yeah. the rock pile. Rock pile report really gone crazy. <laughs> But here's the thing. All the girls were like in these like flashy like neon two pieces or tankinis, and, and I was like, "You're wearing a one piece." And I was like, "Oh, here's my very tasteful one piece Calvin Klein charcoal gray, like very sophisticated, you know, look." And that, you know that because I that's the thing. There's not really many disappointments because I do what I want to do, and I am yeah. who I am, and 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 that's what it is. And I think everything happens for a reason, so I don't have that many disappointments uh, to, to recollect them. Good for you. So I'm bringing it back to the Buffalo Bills. Oh, please don't. And uh, I'm going to talk about my biggest disappointment because I'll be honest with you. The Buffalo Bills, 
Rank is one of the greatest things in my life and actually one of the most disappointing things in my life. Um, I've been to the heights of the heights and the depths of the depths. And I'm actually going to start with the chips and salsa. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I'm going to talk to you guys about the fact that I had chips and salsa during that first Super Bowl. And ever since then, the superstition has had us. It's had me, at least. Because these guys didn't want to believe it when I said that if you put chips and salsa on the table, the Bills will lose. And then they realized that every time somebody, even when we didn't order them, when some random put chips and salsa on our damn table, we would lose. I mean, the wedding, my wedding. You guys remember that? We over here in you the back pissed. room. You were and, pissed. And they didn't have the food out. And they're like, oh, let's just run them some chips and salsa. And they like put chips and salsa on everybody's table. I like fucking almost blew a gasket. So then Wait, we, then we got desperate and like, we said, uh, okay, we're going to order chips and salsa every week. Because it's almost like the, I think it's a Henrik Ibsen story where, you know, People, you're worried so much about the superstition. This guy was worried that something horrible was going to happen in his life, and then he realized at the end of his life that the horrible thing that happened was that he never experienced life because he was always worried about things. Oh, so geez. maybe that the, the, the streak that was going on, the 17-year horrible streak, was what was actually the horrible thing. So chips and salsa, banning chips and salsa was the wrong idea. So we thought we would bring back chips and salsa. I am so happy to hear you say this. We brought back chips and salsa, and the same shit happened. We went 9-7 and seven As and didn't if make it was, the playoffs. As if it wasn't ever the chips and salsa's fault? Yeah, it was. It was. There's no question. So then we're like, well, F it. Let's skip it all, and let's order wings. It's really hard to eat a whole goddamn thing of wings before the game. Okay? Excuse you. I ordered wings today, and you when, did, I, but when it was we not finished those wings, it was 24 to 9. That's and true. And there were no longer and, wings on the table. And I will and say the defense failed, apart. and I do always tell you that second-half wings are defense wings, right? So anyways, what I'm saying is that here, the superstition has taken my life, and I have I, I, I no longer have control of it, and I don't know what to do anymore. So I, I, I'm happy now because all superstition has, has fallen out of the window, but I'm still superstitious as hell. I still randomly... There's a Buffalo Bills helmet that's on my mantle, and I have to turn it at exactly 45 degrees. And today, when we were putting up the decorations, it got moved, and I freaked out. And I tried to put it back at 45 degrees, and I wasn't sure if it was exactly where it was because we had just won last week. And I'm pretty sure that's why we lost. So this is the type of shit that y'all are making people do. (laughs) Stop it. Suge, all, all you have to do is look to Allah for answers, and I'm sure he... he <laughs> I'm not a Muslim! Please don't put me in the camp! They ain't got no Wi-Fi, talk, talk to Cassie, talk to Cassie. This is out of my hands. So can we just recap this? Lars, or Suge's was chips and salsa, mine was a beauty pageant, and Lars was all of humanity. I mean, everybody, so. it, was literally, it was literally everybody but me. <laughs> Bills and Beers, just search for us on Facebook, on Twitter, and use that hashtag BNBSM, or just shoot us a note letting us know that you listen to the podcast and, and some in some way, shape, or form uh, indicating that you have. Can it also be Buffalo Bills, I just can't? <laughs> yeah, or I just hashtag I just can't. Uh, we will be back. We're back on schedule now for the first time since October 30th, which is kind of insane, but uh, it's slim pickings out here for the rest of the season. Suge, I know you're not going to be around next weekend, so we'll have to figure something out. Um... But on behalf of uh, the not able to answer his phone, Bill Belcher, the... uh, And let's note to the listeners that we did call that mother effer back again. Uh, And to the long lost but never forgotten Jam and Jeff Day down in Austin, Texas, the lovely Miss Cassie Hutton, and the president of the Bills Backers of Chicago, Sujit, I'm Lars. Go Bills.
wanna. Yeah!